Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast. Find out more at familyvisionmedia.org and stacyontheright.com. I'm so glad to have with me today on the podcast, Alfredo Ortiz. He's the president and CEO of Job Creators Network. Alfredo, thank you so much for coming on today. Stacy, thank you for having me. So can you tell us really quickly, just for anyone who's unfamiliar, what is Job Creators Network and what do you do? Yeah, so it is a national pro-small business advocacy organization. We've been around for about 10 years now, and we really promote you know, a healthy economic and political environment for small businesses across the country, primarily focusing on lower taxes and less regulation. Um, and in, fortunately, under this particular administration, it's been anything but that. Hmm. Okay. And that's so true. <laughs> I'm, I'm, there's just not anything we can say that can kind of blunt the interests or the, the, um, the, the damage that is being done by the Biden administration. So let's, let's talk about the vaccine mandate. So it has been struck down for large employers of over 100 employees or more. But then we have a split ruling where if you're a hospitalist, uh, you have to have, and, and the ones that are receiving government funding. So if you're in a private hospital that doesn't have huge government contracts, then I guess you, it's up to your organization. But otherwise, you have to get this shot. Um, did they leave room for, in this Supreme Court ruling, was there room left for a religious exemption or a medical exemption? I, you know, I believe so. I, th- I think they did leave room for that. Um, you know, the tough thing, I think, on the healthcare for the healthcare workers, and again, that's not our area of expertise uh, in particular, but my understanding is that the big reason that that uh, remained is because they had to find it to folks who worked in healthcare facilities, and so that was narrow enough to be able to uh, keep it as, uh, as it had been laid out. Uh, but the one for over 100 employees is just so broad, I mean, impacting 85 million people, and that's where they were like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, we're having unelected bureaucrats impact, you know, basically, uh, you know, a half to a third of the workforce. Um, And so that's where they said, I think uh, you're going too far. So it was overbroad and it felt kind of like a hammer because I know for employers who are already struggling to fill positions and this this is right in your milieu. Your wheelhouse is small businesses and everything having to do with how a small business is run. And I think we often as an aside here, we often kind of look at small businesses and you see the front, right? You see the storefront, you see the business, you see, you know, if it's a restaurant, you see tables filled and you see servers coming in and out of the back, you see hot food, you see smiling faces as they leave and they pay their check. And it looks kind of simple. It's like, you know, you just interact with this business and that's it. But the back end is a complex machine that is run by often it's, you know, a single sole proprietor or that person and their spouse or family members, you know, brothers and sisters who are, you know, kind of inheriting a business and running it. And these people are in running a huge machine. The back end is like 100 times bigger than the front end that you see where you see maybe 10 servers and a busboy. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. it's so much more complex. And so, right. so a ruling like this has implications that go throughout. It's like a shockwave throughout that machine. Am I right about that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the one thing, you know, about small businesses in this country, I mean, not only is it the backbone of this country, they're the heartbeat of this country. And when you think about the, the impact that small businesses have in our lives day in and day out, I mean, think about this is pre-pandemic numbers, right? I don't think they've come up with the final numbers post-pandemic, but just pre-pandemic, you had 30 million small businesses employing about 60 million people. So we're talking about 90 million hardworking Americans that were really dependent on the success or failure of small business. 
And with the pandemic, that's the group that got hit the most, both the workers as well as the uh, the job creators, the owners of these businesses. And so that's the group that really has needed the most help. And frankly, it's the group that got hit the hardest and frankly, has gotten hit the hardest by the Biden administration, like I almost said up front. And that is why, you know, this particular mandate had such a concern about. And, you know, so we take great exception. We took great exception with the way the Biden administration tried to portray this and, and, and frankly, sell this to the American public as a vaccine for our largest employers in this country. Now, Stacey, when I hear largest employers in this country, I don't know about you, but I think Exxon, Mobile, right. Bank, Wells Fargo, <laughs> right? That's what I think about when I hear largest employers, not, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bill and Sue's manufacturing in Sioux City, Iowa, you know, that employs 100 people. But that's, that's the group that was being impacted. And even by the Small Business Administration's definition of small business of 500 employees or less, that group between the 100 and 500 is where we're very, very, very concerned about. Uh, and qualitatively, both from our point uh, and just from conversations that we were having across the country with different small business owners in that, uh, in that uh, group, uh, most of them were saying that they were concerned that it was going to have an impact on about 20 to 25, maybe on as high as 30% of their labor force that would potentially leave that business and go to another business that didn't have that vaccine mandate. Now, can you imagine if you're a manufacturing company of, let's say, 100 people and you lose a quarter of your workforce? You're going to shut down, basically. You can't operate that way. If Citibank, which, as you know, they have now forced this mandate, if they lose 1% to 3%, Stacey, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, you might have operators operating a little bit slower. You might get you know a three-minute delay versus you know, what would have been a two-minute delay. But it's not going to shut down Citibank. And so, of course, the largest employers in this country, the true largest employers, they didn't really give a crap about this vaccine mandate. They were like, fine, go ahead. makes it easier for us. And then every small business that's impacted that has to go under because they can't find employees because there are 70 some odd million Americans who have not had any shots. So they haven't had that first one. So they're partially vaccinated or they haven't been double vaxxed or, you know, like some Americans are triple vaxxed. They're boosted um, and and they're still catching COVID, by the way. But that's a whole nother podcast interview. So we we know (laughs) we know, Alfredo, that if you can't find workers in your area, to come in and man the stations to do the work that you need to get done. Not only do you have the the back end of your machine, like, you know, seizing up and unable to, to function, but now you're not bringing in right. any revenue. And it's all because of a decision right. made by bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., who've not only never heard of you, Bingo. but they're collecting taxes from you. But that's the only relationship they have with you is those automatic drafts or those checks you're writing out quarterly <laughs> to pay your taxes. That's the only that, that's the only thing connecting you. Every other part yeah. of your business is unknown to them to include yeah. the name of it, your face, the website, anything. They don't even they don't even care because how can they care about something they don't know exists? Yes, Stacey, you're absolutely right on this. And that is exactly what the Supreme Court justices, the six that ruled in our favor on this one, basically said, right? That the only group, because one thing I want to be very clear here, Stacey, is that we are not anti-vaccine, right? I want to be very clear about that. We're against the mandate. We're, we're, we're anti-mandate. I personally am vaccinated. You know, most of my employees are vaccinated. We encourage people to use, you know, to take the vaccine. Um, we actually are so uh, you know, grateful to the Trump administration and to Vice President Pence, you know, who who led led the initiative to get these vaccines out, uh, which we're all you know most of us are using. But um, we just believe that that's your choice, that's your decision between you and your doctor. That an employer shouldn't be forced 
right, to, to ask their employees to do this or, or, or threaten them with their job. And that's what we had most issue. And that's exactly what, like I said, the justices had, uh, you know, also said here is that the only groups that really should be able to do this, to have the authority to do this, are our elected officials in Congress or at the state level, but not unelected bureaucrats, just like you said, that sit in Washington, D.C., that have no accountability and, frankly, are not elected officials of ours. And that is the other part that kind of shook me a little bit when I first heard about Biden making this announcement. I didn't. I can still remember, because you mentioned President Trump and Operation Warp Speed, I can still remember when in the fall of last year, in, and it was in November, but leading up to November, and cases were kind of, it was like all over the place. Some some days the cases were down, some days they were up. And, you know, I was thinking, it's a virus. It's a pandemic. Why are people going by case numbers? Why are we not going by numbers of hospitalizations and deaths? And even in that all instance... Right. Why are we not drilling down and seeing how many people are dying who have more than one comorbidity? Now, a a year later, you know, two years into the pandemic, we've now learned from the CDC's director, Walensky, that, uh, you know, 75 percent of the people who died had four comorbidities, which means they were basically on round the clock, some kind of medical intervention where they're going to the doctor two or three times a week or they're in the hospital. These are not well people. COVID killed them or they would have died of one of their four comorbidities. They, they were unfortunately right. very unhealthy. That's not anything I'm happy about, but we have to deal in the facts here, especially when we're talking about businesses. But I think that the big thing that, that really, the problem I'm having is I'm not anti-vaccine either. I, I kind of feel like this shot is similar to the flu shot and that it's a therapeutic, not a vaccine because it doesn't prevent transmission. But I feel like there are people out there who took this shot and have had great results from it. Um, they've had COVID since they took the shot and they have gone on to not be hospitalized or, you know, so as they feel it was intended, the shot worked for them and that's been great. But there've also been people who've been vaccine injured and those people, when they were mandated by their work to, to get the shot and then were vaccine injured, their bosses, their work did not then come alongside them and say, let us continue to, you know, fund your salary at the full rate, which, you know, for most businesses, that's that's impossible to do, except Amazon, Facebook, you know, these big giants, Twitter and all of them with $250 billion in offshore funds. Most companies don't have the ability to say, get vaccinated or else. And when you do, if you have a, a, an injury of any kind, then we'll, we'll continue to fund your family. Most businesses can't do that because as you noted, most of the businesses are not Amazons. Most of them are the, you know, that Emo's Pizza or these, you know, mom and pop shops that it's just a smaller business. They may have 100 employees, but they're not able to fund 100 employees or 10 employees who are vaccine injured. So if a person feels pretty strongly that they don't want to take it because they're concerned about that, that should be their right. And I I agree 100 percent that President Trump made a promise with Operation Warp Speed. He delivered on that. And then you had Kamala Harris, who was vying to be the vice president of this country and at one point the president, and Biden and many others in leadership saying that it was the Trump vaccine and therefore they wouldn't take it. But now it's something that everyone has to take because <laughs> Biden's in office. And no one can seem to reconcile that for me. Alfredo, how does that, how, how do you hold those thoughts in your brain at the same time? I, I, I mean, it's incredible, right? I mean, you know, and well, remember this, though, uh, that Biden actually took credit for the vaccine. So, so I, I mean, it's, it's as if, you know, everything that they said about, you know, Trump and the vaccine and warp speed and all that, none of it existed. I mean, because he literally took credit for it. And now oh, look at the great vaccine that I'm rolling out. <laughs> so, I mean, but the media, let's 
let them get away with it. I mean, that's, that's the reality. And so that's why we need people to speak up. And that's why, you know, we, we went out there and we obviously challenged, uh, you know, the Biden administration. We need folks like you that speak the truth and, and, and get the truth out there because it's so important because really the media just completely plays along, goes along. They get, you know, their, their daily talking points uh, from the Biden administration and they just play along. And so that's the big issue here. And so, you know, we're, we're very concerned about that. And, you know, we're, we're talking about these small businesses. Think about this, the labor shortage that it would have uh, uh, created above and beyond what they're already suffering from. And that's on top of the inflation issues, supply chain issues. I mean, I have to tell you, I mean, this was going to really, I think, massively put a halt to any small business really out there. I mean, uh, where would be the small business that wasn't going to be suffering in this country? And so, um, you know, those businesses can really sigh, uh, you know, take a big sigh of relief now because um, even though it's not 100 percent done, Stacey, I think, you know, you, you probably are aware of this. The um, even though the Supreme Court put a stay, uh, basically halted uh, any further action at that point, the Biden administration still uh, has to go to the Sixth Circuit. The Sixth Circuit still basically has to deal with this. Um, and what we're saying is, look, you know, to, to Joe Biden and the rest, you know, the rest of his his folks out there is just let it go. Joe, let the mandate go. We know where it's going to end up. If you challenge it, it's going to go back to the Supreme Court. And they've already ruled that OSHA doesn't have the authority to do it. So just let it go. Give businesses the, you know, the, what they need, which is more, most, most important here, is the certainty to operate their businesses. There's such little certainty now because of the way the Biden administration has messed up the entire economy. But give them at least this, right? so that they can start planning, because right now they're going to stop hiring people, period. And in an economy like this, in because w- we're what we're going to do is if we continue on with this inflation, we could be teeter-tottering on the brink of a recession. And I hate to be the one to say I told you so, but actually, you know what, Alfredo, I guess I don't hate it because I'm somebody's mom. And as we all know, moms, we have a penchant for saying, didn't I tell you that this might? I, t- I told people back on the campaign trail when I'm stumping for Trump that if they elected a Democrat, they'd be looking at inflation and possibly a recession because Democrats don't know how to manage the economy. They don't know how to manage money. They don't know how to manage people. And the heavy handed approach for the lockdowns, the pandemic, all of that proves my point. Not that I'm an economist, but I am somebody's mom. And I'm saying I told you so. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, back in February, March timeframe, I called for eight to 10 percent inflation by the end of the year. People thought I was crazy. Um, and look, we're I remember about, that we're about eight to ten percent. We're about eight, <laughs> right? Eight yeah, remember I was I was on your show. I do. I, I, I like, do. Watch right by the end of the year, it's gonna be about eight to ten percent. Literally, people are looking at me like I had ten ten heads. Uh, there's no way that's gonna happen. Look where the economy is. There's just no way. Now look where we are. I also, by the way, if you remember this, that I think it was in that same, same interview. I also called for interest rates hike in 22. You did. So the Fed was saying it's gonna happen in 23, and I said there's nope. gonna be at least three. Because that's what's going to need to happen, and it's going to happen in the first quarter. It's going to start in the first quarter of 22, and look what's happening. I'm telling you right now, we're going to have three or four different interest rate hikes this year. And I remember it because after we did the interview, I played it back for my husband, and I said, listen to what he's saying here. And he said, he's right. My husband said, you were right back then. And I said, man, I wish you guys would both be wrong. And he said, so do I. But he's right. That's what's going to happen. Watch and see. And look at us. I mean, I almost feel like you should tell me a few more things because I do need to know a couple things ahead. Like I I would like to know because I'm kind of nosy. But uh, all joking aside, 
It's not fun to be right when it's the economy and it hurts so many people, especially those who had such a wonderful run under President Trump in that, you know, median household income of four sixty nine thousand dollar range where those families were making gains under President Trump. And now they're sliding backwards. Their cost of living increase this year is not going to cover the inflationary cost hike. And it's just it's it can turn into a snowball effect for families. And so I. My sincere hope is that the midterms will prove to be a ultimate shellacking, weapons-grade shellacking, and we'll see some order return to Washington, D.C. But in any case, thank you so much for your time today. I know we're short on time, and and it's just so great to have you here on the podcast. And we'll talk to you again on the night show soon. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you soon as well. All right. Happy New Year, and thank you, Alfredo. And that was Alfredo Ortiz, president and CEO of Job Creators Network. And I'm Stacey Washington. And this has been the podcast sponsored by Family Vision Media. You can find out more at familyvisionmedia.org and stacyonthewright.com. Thanks for being with us today.